0: Welcome to another episode of Ruby Redux here on Rooster Team Radio. Tonight we are talking about volume eight, episode seven, war. What is it good for? Absolutely, Absolutely nothing. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god.
1: We've all heard that song. We know what I we're know. about here.
0: I just wasn't expecting you to share. <laughs> So, really? <laughs> so come on step into our humble abode uh, and uh let me go ahead and introduce my fantastic co-host <laughs> the voice you just heard was of the wonderful katie cullen hi all my buddies joining us as well is the lovely stacy shuttleworth hello hello And I am Megan Salinas. Once again, Mark Donica was unavailable to join us. Uh, As we mentioned, you know, scheduling during the holiday season is super, super crazy. So uh, go ahead. We wish him well. And hopefully he'll be able to join us again once the holiday season has passed. Uh, We love you, Mark. Uh, And be sure to send him some love at Mark B. Donica on social media. Go check out his stuff. He, He does lots of good work. So, guys... Before we get into it, again, because one, it's still the holiday season, and two, uh, things are in Ruby are absolutely crazy, and three, Mark's still not here, so who wants to do another episode in the Love Loft? Yes. Here we go. <laughs> it's warm up
1: there, we can set up the little space heater so it's cozy, we all have blankets. Blanket
0: fort! Blanket fort!
1: <laughs> I'm just imagining a lot of pillows and like a shag carpet, so.
0: <laughs> yes
1: because of the pun and also because they're cozy
0: okay
2: so the comfort (laughs) everyone grab (laughs) maximum
0: (laughs) 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 grab a hot drink of choice get into something comfy like oh i i've got my pjs on i've got a hot toddy i am raring to go i'm in let's do it (laughs) to the love loft all right guys this is the mid-season finale and even though it wasn't Land as a mid-season finale one i'm very glad that ruby like all of the crew for ruby are taking the time that they need to recharge over the holidays and taking the time they need to finish up the season um with the degree of care that it needs without burning everybody out that is first and foremost very important um, so I'm really glad that they're doing that. But even though this wasn't planned as a midseason finale, I feel like it worked really well as a midseason finale. Like if we were going to put like press pause on the season at any given point, I actually feel like this was a decent place to do it. Uh, what did we think of this episode? Let's go ahead and start with Katie.
1: I will I will argue with you a little bit there and that if we were going to plan a finale, I think last week's would have been really good for just maximum drama. <laughs> because if we know something about Rooster Teeth, they really, really like their cliffhangers. But then again, I say this as a Red versus Blue fan where they will just leave us on cliffhangers on the end of a season and not give a fuck. So <laughs> Ruby, I think, is a little different in terms of that. Um, I think this episode was incredible I think this was very very well handled I think this was very well balanced given that when you get to the end and you get to the voice part of the credits and it's lists literally every character that's been in this season (laughs) and you go oh damn that is everyone and a couple extras but mostly everyone
0: minus the jailbird crew at the moment (laughs) that's true
1: minus the jailbirds. But regardless, that's a ton of characters to balance, and I feel like everyone who was in this episode got screen time, got good screen time, furthered their story in some meaningful way. Like, again, I thought this was incredibly well-balanced, and I love that leaving off here, it leaves us with so many different options as to where things could go, and each is about as plausible as the next. So, yeah, yeah, this was really good. This was a very good episode.
2: Stacy what did you think? And I said it right after watching the episode and it still holds today. I am so satisfied. That was so (laughs) satisfying. There were so many satisfying moments in that episode. I just I feel like the the writers and we as the viewers really earned a lot of the things that kind of came together and all of the pathways that were laid out throughout this episode was very rewarding and very satisfying
1: turns out kiersey wrote this entire episode like this was a one-person show and she
2: did an incredible job man even even more impressive than she, balancing all of those storylines
0: expertly well done indeed bravo yeah, this one, this is one of those ones where I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on the clock for how long we talk about the episode, because there was a ton, uh, as you guys both mentioned, there were a ton of characters to balance and there. There were a lot of really meaningful, emotional moments. And you know, we we talked a lot in the last couple episodes about how a handful of characters are at a potential turning point and we get payoff for at least two of them, I think, in this one. So, it it, it it's going to be very interesting to see where the volume goes from here, but this episode in particular like Katie, you bring up a good point. The last episode would have been a good cliffhanger to leave this on, but I'm really glad that this was the note that Rooster Teeth left us on um, before the hiatus. Like there was so much good stuff packed in here. So yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. So let's go ahead and dig into this episode. Uh, and <laughs> it starts off. I swear, it, it's it, like it's very appropriate that the that the title of this episode is war because this episode started off like a war movie. I know we've been making the Helms Deep comparison for a couple episodes now, um, but like. This really did feel like the beginning of Helm's Deep with a bunch of horrible monsters like coming to attack a fortified city. Although this city has since lost its fortifications. And what we see is, you know, the Atlas military getting ready to take on all these all these grim that are being, I guess, just dumped right onto the surface of Atlas from Monstra. And it's... It's really cool looking at all the grim that make appearances. I was really excited in particular to see the apathy come back. I've missed them oh so much. Uh, so it was cool seeing that, but uh, you know, it doesn't take long for us to cut away to different parts of Atlas to see just chaos happening throughout the city. What did we think seeing uh, seeing the way Salem's assault? is actually taking place. Uh, let's go ahead and start with Stacy.
2: Man, the disconnect between the people of the city having a like twilight picnic versus the absolute chaos of the war setting up outside, like right outside their neighborhoods, right, was just beautifully illustrated and just really hammered home the point of, this is what Mantle has been going through. This is, this has been their life with, you know, grim taking over their city, but the people up in Atlas have just been having a picnic.
0: Literally. A giant in the, the park. park.
2: <laughs> and, and yeah, like it was not real for them. And to suddenly see it become real for them. Uh, but in such like a disconnected way, uh, really, really drove home that inequality and the, the way that Atlas and Mantle intersect each other and almost you know work against each other at this point so that was it i mean absolutely well framed way of showing things uh and here we go the chaos uh builds i would add on to that that we
1: saw how mantle handles things when they're like all right well we have an evacuation we're going here and you've got a couple people who complain but For the most part, the people in Mantle did a fairly orderly evacuation. Like, once they got to the crater, it looked like they were, for the most part, working together, trying to keep calm, you know, all that. And we see an evacuation order in Atlas, and we see a stampede for the subway systems. So I, I, I think you're absolutely correct. And I think that that also serves to highlight the differences here. The difference between the people who live with us every day and the people who live up here so we don't have to deal with what the rest of the world has. Like, it's um, a little bit of ivory tower going on up in here.
0: Yeah, I concur with uh, both of those assessments. Um, I really enjoy getting, like... It's crazy because I feel like this is what we've been building towards the last couple, like it it definitely like the last volume for sure. This is, you know, the moment where, you know, our our main characters decide whether Atlas stands or falls. And we, we get a lot of that um, when we, when we hop on over to, you know, what team Ruby is discussing. Um, But I want to put a pin in that. We'll get to that when we get to that. Uh, But this was so, it was, it's such a weird thing to say. Like it's so cathartic to actually like see the carnage actually (laughs) happen. Cause like, I don't want civilians to get hurt or anything like that, but this is what we've been building towards. It's, it's what Salem has been planning for a long, long time. And she is just out here living her best life. Um, But one of the things that, happens in the midst of all the chaos is ironwood orders an evacuation attempt down into the subway system and one of his it's it's a very small moment of the episode but one of the commanders that he's talking to as he's issuing this order seems to kind of second guess him on that he's like uh sir like are we sure that's a good idea and Ironwood, you know doubles down he's like nope get everybody down there now, I wanted to ask everybody here, is this a good idea? And I say that, but I feel like the answer is fairly obvious. I don't know. What do you think, Katie?
1: When was the last time Ironwood had a good idea? She's going to throw that out there.
0: Prior to turning on the kids, he had some good ones.
1: Yeah, prior to turning on the kids, but that was kind of a leap off the slippery slope there. Anyway, it's entirely possible that there is something going on there that we don't know about. Um, I would honestly not be worried about this if the commander that he was talking to hadn't expressed some hesitation. I'm kind of having a Game of Thrones moment here. And, you know, season eight Game of Thrones. So, you know, it's not going to be a good moment with the whole we're going to fight the Night King. Put the children and the non-combatants down in the crypts where it's safe.
2: And for those so of you safe. who
1: who never really did Game of Thrones, the Night King at that point was an opponent who was known to have the power to raise the dead. And so they put the women and the children in the crypts with the dead people where it's safe. You know, one of those everyone's carrying the idiot ball right now moments. And, you know, that played out about as well as you would think it would. And so I'm... I wouldn't be getting this if it weren't for the hesitation from the person Ironwood was talking to but since he said that and since we know that there are apathy on the battlefield and I honestly think the apathy are the real killers here and the last time we saw apathy they were chilling in an underwater well system I'm getting really big like evacuate them to the subway to me has really big in the crypts where it's safe vibes so I don't trust
2: that
0: (laughs) Stacy, how about you?
2: Yeah, we're just going to toss this one on Ironwood's old pile of good ideas that he's just <laughs> building up over there. Looks Looks real good. So many good ideas for Ironwood. He's, just the Ironwood good idea pile trademarked. <laughs> he's doing great. Yeah, don't worry. It's it's a little bit on fire. Don't worry. That's a good thing. I, I promise. It's still a good idea. <laughs> Fine. These people are fine. They were totally calm and orderly, as Katie pointed out earlier. It's gonna be fine.
0: <laughs> Very calm people. Wait time. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I don't know exactly how calm and orderly I would be in that particular situation. Um, but I, yeah. Oh, these are acting like people who've never
1: had to do a fire drill once in their lives. Yes. You no. Know? <laughs> You know?
0: (laughs) It reminds me, now that you've said that, it reminds me, there's an episode of The Simpsons where (laughs) Monty Burns decides to do a fire drill at the nuclear power plant, and everybody inside panics. Again, because uh, clearly no one's ever done a fire drill before. Homer is the first one out, and he barricades the door behind him. (laughs) and excitedly runs up to Mr. Burns and goes, I made it out, Mr. Burns. I'm the first one here. And also he was the first one out after literally 15 minutes (laughs) when it should take about 60 seconds. But anyway, I could definitely, what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is I could definitely see the people of Atlas doing that exact thing, uh, running to safety, Uh, After a series of panicking, like, wasting so much time panicking, and then literally barricading the door behind them. Like, you know that that's happening with at least a couple groups here at Atlas, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Oh, man. But, like, to be fair, I also don't know what other sort of evacuation effort they would have planned. But, uh, so, I don't want to immediately dismiss it as a terrible idea, because, again, we don't really know where else people could go, but, in this particular situation, but, as Katie pointed out, yeah, I, w- th- the images that immediately get conjured in my brain are that of the apathy underground, and I'm sitting here going, like, oh, it's just, like, volume six, yay! <laughs> I'm so happy, I can't wait. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that horror movie. I'm so excited. Okay. But yeah, pile of Ironwood's good ideas that is only slightly on fire. Well, <laughs> Ironwood has uh, another good idea as as <laughs> uh, he notices that, you know, Uh, a lot of the outward attacks on Monstra don't really seem to be effective. So one of the ideas that he and the rest of the brain trust at Atlas, uh, the Atlas control center come up with, who knows this might've been a bill idea, (laughs) Um, but they think that a bomb that goes off inside of the monster would have a much greater chance of doing some damage um, than some, than an outward assault. So he charges Winter and the Aesops with that particular duty, uh, right? And so, what what we get here is a, a moment with Winter, the Aesops, Yang, Ren, and Jean. And I I don't know what I was expecting. You know, at the end of the previous episode, when the geyser of Grimm went out, I I don't know what I was expecting, but I was hoping that that would sort of be an eye-opening moment for the Aesops and that they could set aside their difference and work together with the kids. But no, almost like immediately the first establishing shot with this group (laughs) is that the kids have been arrested per Ironwood's orders and that, yeah, they're now going to be taking on this very dangerous mission while they have the kids in custody. And... Yeah, even though that's not exactly how everything goes down, what did we think of, like, seeing how the Aesops reacted to that immediate, like, absolute nonsense at the end of the last episode? Let's start with Stacy. Man, I set
2: myself up for the disappointment by hoping that they would, like, come to see the light and, like, join the fight or something. Like, reasonably, I knew that wasn't what was going to happen, but I still hoped. <laughs> So i can't say i was surprised but maybe a little disappointed (laughs) (laughs) guys we're just we're just like beating it into the ground at this point (laughs) how many times have they been in this situation and they keep reacting as you know as orders tell them to and it's not working but they're still doing it they're still (laughs) arresting the kids that are just trying to save the world (laughs)
1: something something definition of insanity oh my gosh i don't remember my exact words but i believe they were along the lines of oh my fucking god (laughs) (laughs) like okay so we're doing this you idiots (sighs) but we've i've I've definitely talked at length about, you know, what basic training does to you and military and following orders. So again, it's one of those like, I can understand why you made that decision. I think it was a stupid decision, but I it it, it lines up with the characters that we have here. So it's like, yes, I get it, but also God fucking damn it.
0: Yeah, I like like I said, I didn't know what I was expecting, but like I I it was definitely Like, I I have no right to be surprised (laughs) by this, you know, but at the same time, like Stacy said, I I wanted to hope and then they dashed my hopes, Um, but I really liked the dynamic and the conversations that we had um, with this particular group throughout this episode. Um, It gets split into two halves, but I don't see the need to go through this chronologically. We can just cover the whole bit um, with them. Um, because the kids have an idea. They, you know, they propose, you know, one, the Aesop's are still being extremely dismissive. Like, uh, Grim don't take prisoners, you silly bellies. <laughs> yeah, they don't shoot up out of the ground either. But hey, here we are. Um, but the uh, the kids have an idea that they'll basically be the test run for uh, for the bomb so that they could go and rescue Oscar and come back out and hopefully, hopefully make it out in time before they actually have to send in the bomb. Uh, And everybody on the Aesop seems to have a different reaction to this proposal. Uh, And that's when we get a really fantastic scene with Ren and how like he gets this fantastic monologue, uh, which ultimately culminates in him basically leveling up his semblance and being able not only to, because, you know, to Mark's credit, Mark figured that Ren's semblance was going to have some effect. Uh, on the rest of this season I don't think any of us anticipated what was about to happen because instead of like amplifying people's emotions or becoming a beacon for negative energy what ends up happening is Ren is now so in tune with himself and his power that he is now able to see other people's emotions and it's absolutely incredible because he can read the, you know, he, this allows him to see through the Aesop's bullshit, (laughs) essentially (laughs) their bullshit bravado and their bullshit excuses for what they're really feeling. Uh, What did we think of this? Let's go ahead and start with Stacy.
2: Again, satisfying. So satisfying. I just, (laughs) this was really well led up to also uh, we we've talked before about Ren reaching his breaking point and how it could be really really terrible, and this was actually a really positive application of Ren kind of reaching that breaking point, but seeing it externally. So I think for him being able to see more or less the kind of feelings he's been struggling with internally reflected in the Asop's and realize how ridiculous and at odds with how he actually felt and what he actually believed to kind of coming into his own acceptance of his feelings and therefore his acceptance of everyone's feelings or something like that where he can now see yeah everyone else's emotions and tell them off for being big old liars about how they're actually feeling. (laughs) Shit like this is
1: my jam <laughs> i love this kind of thing in my media if you if you want to make me happy if you really want me get in, to get into the story give me like a magic system or a power system and give me part of that that is a sixth sense an ability to tap into something beyond mortal means etc visual empathy oh my god sign me up so this I love this to begin with. Just as a concept, the idea of being able to see a visual representation of someone else's feelings and be able to read that. Like, I love this to begin with, knowing for Ren that we started with not necessarily emotional manipulation, but emotional dampening, being able to hide from Grimm, this is a level up from that, and it came from- this was earned. This wasn't just like, well, we tried, you know, he worked really hard, or we really needed this to happen in the story. Like, this was earned. And the fact that his emotion-based semblance was earned when he got far more in tune with his own emotions. Because he's been doing repression, the semblance, since he was, like, what, 8, 10? Since he was a bitty and Jim and Randall came to town and wrecked <laughs> shop? yeah. It's been a very long time, and he's been the quiet, stoic one. So, this development, this, yes, emotions are not necessarily a bad thing, yes, it's good to be in tune with how you feel, and him being the one to get this. And on top of that, this team saying everyone is replaceable to team we don't have our fourth letter anymore,
2: Juniper,
1: was rich yeah, they did not, read that room. <laughs> not in any capacity and i mean it's not like pira was an unknown quantity she oh and it was only i want to say what two seasons ago season six so probably a month maybe two months in series time depending on how long our montage last season was it hasn't been that long since we had that bit with Jean standing in the plaza with the statue of Pira talking to, we presume, her mother. We don't really know, and trying to come to terms with things like this is still an open wound for this team. And now they're dealing with the fact that they've kind of adopted Oscar, and they stand to lose him depending on how things go here. So saying this to a team that has already irreplaceably lost someone, and stands to lose someone else, and expecting them to just be a okay with it because people are replaceable is uh, it's never gonna go the way you expect it to. But for Ren to be the one to stand up and call them on their bullshit, and then get the semblance leveling up like this, this was my favorite part of the episode. And this was an episode full of awesome characters doing awesome things, and just all sorts of wonderful stuff. But this, hands down, my favorite part. I love it. Give me more. Thank
0: you. Yeah, I, I love it for a multitude of reasons. I love, I love one that it's been a while since we've seen somebody level up their semblance. Um, so it's really cool to think that, like, as you, oh, go ahead. It's been like three episodes.
1: Well, we but- saw Nora do it. Oh.
0: <laughs> but in terms of
1: yeah, before that, I think it was like Jean season five.
0: I yeah, no, I, I wasn't thinking of Nora because that was just her going like all For out. Yeah. yeah, that was just her going all out and then like collapsing to the ground. Um so that was just like the her going to her absolute limit as opposed to the power um that somebody has like noticeably changing and it's really cool to me that like a semblance is something that can grow and change over time as you become more in tune with it and or yourself you know I I really like that and we had it a little bit with Ruby struggling with her her silver-eyed powers um but that's different. It's it's something different than her semblance. Um and, and actually we we did technically have that with uh Ruby as well a couple episodes ago. <laughs> transporting multiple people at once. So it's really cool that this season is like taking some time to like step away and being like, hey, we're gonna show little little noticeable upgrades to people's power sets. I'm all about it. Um uh, but yeah, another thing is that this. You know, we've been saying for a long while that we hope that the Aesops can come around. And so it was really nice to have a character be able to like like I said just kind of cut through to the heart of it and be like, "No, you're really upset. You're morally conflicted. You're angry. Um and you don't want to be a part of this anymore." <laughs> yeah it was it was really nice to be able to have this character call out what's actually you know going on internally for all these characters who are like nope we just gotta follow orders um so that was really nice but also um i this is something i didn't think about during the episode itself but i saw on twitter um a couple a couple days afterward after the episode dropped um, I wish I could remember who on Twitter made this observation, but somebody mentioned that of all the the actors to deliver this particular monologue, how how emotionally effective it is to have Neath deliver these lines of "No one is replaceable," like that. You know, just to peek behind the curtain a little bit, uh, like. Him stepping up to do the voice of Wren after Monty passed was a phenomenal thing. I think for for everybody involved, Rooster Teeth, um, I believe absolutely one hundred percent made the right call. And Neath stepping up so that his brother's story could continue, I think is absolutely incredible. And hearing him deliver the line, "No one is replaceable," is it's really it, like. I, I, Like I said, I didn't think about it when I was watching the episode, but after this person on Twitter pointed it out, I was just like, oh, my God, I have so many feelings, and I'm not crying, you're crying, shut up, ah. So, it, it was excellent delivery, it was an excellent performance, and just bravo, sir, bravo. And I'm not crying now, it's fine, I'm gonna have more of my hot toddy now.
1: <laughs> it's okay, we're all crying, it's absolutely fine. I just... I yep the other part of the scene that was absolutely beautiful was very rarely does the quiet character get to just go and read everyone in the room but that just watching this go down and just know you're still furious that you lost him and you miss him and you're angry too and you don't actually want to be here anymore and you're the only one who might actually have their head on their shoulders here like seeing winter as a combination of all four colors that all of the other Aesop's were exhibiting, showing that she might actually have some balance and she might actually have the best interests of her team at heart and care about them as opposed to everyone else. Just denying that they were friends like nah, nah, we don't let friendship get in the way of the job. Like, yes. And that's why you got your asses kicked by a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> Funny how that works. So, yeah, this, there's so much going on in this show. There's so, so, so much going on in this show, but we cannot forget that at its heart, it is a power of friendship show. And occasionally, it likes to sit up and remind us of that. And I love it every time it does.
0: Stay
2: safe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, oh, I emotions. have emotions. Uh, uh, so many emo- I, you know what honestly Megan I didn't I didn't sit on Twitter I didn't even like really connect those two things for now so now I've got emotions on like the show level and the real world level so it's fine everything's fine over here
0: yeah yeah uh, the meta feelings
2: uh, it's uh, just it's beautiful though isn't it it's... it really is that's that's absolutely moving <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I'm fine. Everything's fine. This episode was fine.
0: <laughs> That's why we're up here in the love loft, so we can just wrap ourselves in pillows and blankets and just all right, all right. be little sad burritos.
2: <laughs> Adjust my pillow fort and and uh, God, um I do want to touch again on on the kind of emotional journey we saw Winter go through. She didn't say too much in this scene and throughout this scene. But I think between her physical mannerisms, I mean, seeing, like, her hand shaking as she really, like, leaned in and committed to her orders and then seeing the flurry of colors around her, um, it, we really get that she's bearing that burden and kind of... Boy, Winter needs a friend. Winter needs her <laughs> penny back.
0: <laughs>
2: oh. Did I make that- it more fine? <laughs>
1: That depends on your definition of fine. Oh, you know, on fire? <laughs> Wait. So, like Ironwood's idea pile is fine. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's fine. Great. That's the definition of fine in this show, right?
1: I'm glad that we've clarified that for us and for everyone listening. The definition of fine in this show is now on fire.
2: <laughs> it's as fine as we're going to get, right? <laughs> for now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay Yikes. so um at since since we talked about like how the aesops are actually feeling and how winter actually does seem to come around and actually agrees to the plan but also makes it very clear that if they're not out within a certain amount of time that they are gonna set off the bomb so you know she's in a very she is in a very interesting position at the moment um so with that being said what do we think is the future of all of our aesops because we even have a one-on-one conversation in particular with Marrow, about how hey clearly you don't want to do this anymore and he's sitting here going like but I have I still have a job to do and we walk away from the scene knowing that Mero is still a good good boy uh
1: (laughs) as though there were a doubt
0: um so what do we think is the future of the Aesops and in particular the person who's leading them at the moment Winter what is her future let's start with Katie curveball at me um (laughs)
1: I will be surprised if Winter makes it out of this season, to be completely don't honest.
0: Don't say these horrible things!
1: You asked! <laughs> but you we don't like it! asked! Plus, I'm always the one who walks in here with death predictions. I'm Thanks, fucking I Thanatos up in here. Uh, yeah, uh, you asked. You quite literally asked. Um, there's also, for me the culmination of this arc is going to be the question of whether or not the Aesop's can pull together as a team, not because it's in the job description, but because they care about each other and whether or not they will be able to essentially get over that hump. And I know this is a terrible thing to say, but honestly, I think they're going to fail. I think that they will fall apart as a team and then we will probably save Harriet and Marrow. I think that we may be able to keep them to have them working with our protagonists, but I think that Elm and Vine might be kind of a lost cause there. But yeah, I just given the way this season is going, I think they're going to fall apart when it counts.
2: Ooh. Oh, that is that is <laughs> dire,
0: <laughs> Stacy. What you, do you think? Ah!
2: Honestly, look, honestly, I am I am more or less on the same page. Um, I think we oh. got a couple a couple of other very interesting tidbits during that entire like kind of argument between them i mean now i think we got a lot of insight into marrow's position too we know now for sure that he is a replacement of a previous member and from the sound of it they dealt with that death about as well as they're dealing with clover's death Extremely as in not poorly. at all yeah if anything so we're gonna have if, if we can't even handle clover's death right now we can't even go backwards and and process what happened previously this is this is repression of of this team that has gone on for several replacements that we know of at least so for them to have to now address this and come together as a team they have a very very high hurdle to clear i'm not too
0: optimistic unfortunately it's almost as though the person who's in charge of all these individuals who haven't been properly processing all of their emotions it's almost like his literary analog was in search of a heart Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> hmm.
1: Uh, <laughs> Ugh,
0: Ironwood,
1: <laughs> you haven't given us your predictions. You asked us for our predictions for the Aesops. You haven't given us yours yet. I,
0: I, I was hoping that now that they've been read, the Riot Act that they would be on on board with team boys and girls but after both of your predictions of having their teams falling apart i find that much like at the end of the last episode my hopes are probably going to be dashed (laughs) (laughs) oh dear (laughs) i mean it's always nice
1: to look at someone predicting doom and gloom and prove them wrong you know this show
0: could go either way we don't know I think, though, no matter what happens, Winter and Marrow, at the very least, uh, like maybe the Aesop's do fall apart, but maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing. Maybe what the team falls apart, but as a result of them no longer being operatives, maybe they can still be a team who fights for what's right as opposed to what they've been ordered to do. So that's what I'm hoping, but I don't know. It could also be that just Winter... I mean, granted, as Winter pointed out, she was like, I outrank you, so any decision I make, you have to listen to me. Um, often fuzzy, really. <laughs> so hopefully, worst-case scenario, w- like maybe Mero goes AWOL and is like, yeah, I don't want to be here anymore, bye. <laughs> I'm going to go... I'm gonna go do cool things with the kids. Peace out. And um, if the the rest of the A subs have a problem with that, Winter can just shut that down and be like, Nope, you guys uh stay at your post. Um I still outrank you. Uh, nobody go after him. Let him let him do his thing. Bye, Marrow.
2: <laughs> what a tragedy you've left to go help the children that I also secretly support. <laughs> oh no, what will we do? <laughs> Court
1: martial later survival now
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah these are extenuating circumstances i think we can all agree um okay do we have any final thoughts on um the aesops and winter and uh you know jean Ren and yang going after oscar any final thoughts on this particular storyline before we take a break and talk about itunes
1: No, but I have a funny thought when we come back for the transition, so don't let me forget it. It's the dumb joke that I made when we were watching it the first time. I want to share.
2: Stacey? Now I'm very, very excited for this transition.
0: (laughs) 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 Okay, I think on that note... Folks, uh, let's take a moment to talk to you about iTunes. Folks, thank you to everybody who's gone to iTunes to rate, comment, and subscribe. We love hearing from you. We love hearing your thoughts on the show. And it is one of the best ways to help make our show more searchable for people looking for Rooster Teeth-related content. We don't have any new uh comments this week for shout-outs, but we do have a handful of social media shout-outs that we wanted to go ahead and um, you know, let you guys know about because we have a Twitter and that's at the Rooster Team. Uh and so we've had a number of people uh talking to us about this latest episode. Uh Shadow Inter in particular had some thoughts about Cinder's backstory. Um and Max Us Fox 23 uh, let us know that apparently Eddie said that this was the tame half of the season and wanted to know whether or not we have a place in uh, our metaphysical mansion for screaming because we're gonna need it in the future. Uh, Blue for Life Blue sent us a delightful fan art by Chris Ninth on Twitter. Ah, oh, it's so good. And because Christmas wasn't that long ago, we also have a number of holiday wishes. Uh, And so we have people on Twitter who wished us well, Chris Sarasaurus, Game Boy Nate, and Jade, aka DrummerGirl456, all sent us wonderful holiday wishes on Twitter, and Jade in particular actually sent us uh, the link that uh, Barbara made an announcement Um, that uh, there was a sneak peek for the next section of the volume. I have not watched it yet because I wanted to talk about this episode without any particular spoilers for what's to come. So I have not watched it yet, but thank you so, so much, Jade, and to everybody else um, for sending us your well wishes for the holiday. We love you. We miss you. And thank you to everybody who talks to us on Twitter. You guys are great. And there are other ways you can interact with us. We actually have a Discord. Uh, and there, The link to join that will be in the description of the show. And there is so, so, so much good stuff in our Discord. So much good banner. So much good music gets shared. Uh, the general discussion is oh, thread is always so much fun. And... Um, for our our for our particular show threads, like, we got a lot of love this past uh, couple, over the past couple of weeks, and it it means a lot to hear, so thank you guys. Um, but there are multiple ways to support our show. We have a Tee Public, and even though the holidays have passed, uh, Public does awesome sales all the time, so go get yourself some merch of the silly things that we say. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe we have a sponsor for this episode.
1: Of course, you...
0: For those of you who are
1: new here, welcome. For those of you who have been here before, you know exactly what I'm about to say. This episode is sponsored by Fred He Bakes. He does cookies. They are amazing. I know it's after the holiday season and we've all had pie and pie is great, but guys, have you had a cookie recently? (laughs) Because cookies are also amazing and in a season of pie, we really don't want to forget that cookies are great and we really don't want you to forget that Fred's cookies are great because Fred does amazing stuff. The flagship cookie is the Brown Sugar Buddy. It is a cross between a molasses cookie and a spice cookie and a ginger snap. It is chewy. It is wonderful. I, guys, I had these freshly made at a party once and they changed my life. So, yes, highly recommended. Uh, if you want a little more fall or winter flavor in your cookie, he has the Maple Brown Sugar Buddy. It's all the goodness of brown sugar buddy with maple as well. These are particularly good dipped in your hot drink of choice, in your hot toddy, in your hot buttered rum, in your hot chocolate. If you prefer the non-alcoholic version, I say go for the spiced apple cider with the maple cookie dipped in. Just, guys, Amazing. If you're not a spice cookie person, if you are a chocolate person, then you want the Big Chip Buddies. These are chocolate chip cookies. These are huge. These are huge. These are huge. They are stuffed with chocolate chips. They are so soft. They are so good. Highly recommended. Little more difficult to dip into your drink of choice unless you have one of those really big mugs, which no judgment, we all have at least one. And yeah, if all of these sound amazing to you and you can't pick which one to try, he does sampler boxes so you can try all of them and then order more of your favorites, which will be all of them. So obtain yourself some cookies. They are all fresh, never frozen, made to order, made in small batches. And you cannot find them in stores. The only way to find them is to go to fredhebakes.com. That's three words, fredhebakes.com. And use coupon code Team for 20% off your entire order. That is fredhebakes.com. Coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM. Do the thing. Treat yourself. You deserve it.
0: So thank you again to everybody. Uh, however you support the podcast, however you interact with us, we just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for everything. You guys are the best. All right, let's get back to it. Uh, so as I alluded to Oh, sorry you, you, you look like you wanted to say something
1: yes I'm gonna make my stupid joke now oh. that we're transitioning
0: <laughs> right right uh Katie what is it that you wanted to say this
1: is so much build-up and the most of our audience is gonna be like oh my god really
0: that's okay we can edit it together so that it's seamless. nah <laughs> I won't But
1: we could, <laughs> we could
2: but I won't
1: <laughs> I love this entire podcast I love all of you uh yeah, much of the conversation earlier about the bomb was saying, we'll hold the point and we'll move the payload. And my entire brain went, okay, we're, we're in overwatch mode now. I can't not. What do we smash cut to? <laughs> Salem, as piano music plays, lifting her hands, and I'm just like, oh God damn it, the universe is singing for her. I just, Oh God, here we go. So yeah, I, I spent a small chunk of time. Attempting to recover from being in full on Sigma Overwatch mode. Just, all right, we'll move the payload, smash cut to piano music. I'm like, no, 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 what no. What is that? Oh, movie? no. <laughs>
2: oh, no. The universe is singing for her, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else is having problems. Now the thought is there, and it will never go away. <laughs> What can I say? Except you're
1: welcome. <laughs>
0: I hope that when uh, you know that the next volume soundtrack is released, I hope we get this beautiful piano number because Salem is indeed conducting her masterpiece. I think, and it's just it's this such it's such this like dark creepy but also beautiful moment where she is like conducting an orchestra and this beautiful piano just comes in oh it's so lovely it's so lovely and she's just living her best life I'm so happy for her and also ah oh no everything is terrible but it's so so pretty (laughs) I mean like in the last episode we talked about um how beautiful the music was in particular we we talked about um Casey Williams song and we talked about how it kind of got reprised um in Salem's throne room and it was really great this was also a very excellent piece of music <laughs> I was just I I just want to spend the rest of this episode gushing <laughs> About how lovely it was. Um, but we have to move on. Well, while Salem is living her best life, uh, things are not going so well for everybody else hanging out uh in the ship or in the whale in Monstra. In the whale ship. In the whale ship. <laughs> um things are not going so well. And we have this scene with Ozpin and Oscar and Hazel, and Hazel is continuing to torture Oz. Which, I'm sitting here going, like, why does the inside of this whale even have hooks to hang prisoners from? Who designed this place? Jigsaw? And it makes me very upset.
2: No, Salem did. Salem. And that's what worries me.
0: <laughs> All but, by
2: design. Indeed.
0: And and so we have this scene where Oscar, uh, well, Ospin in particular, tries to reason with Hazel, and we've seen how well that works in the past. What did we think of this interaction between Ozpin, Oscar, and Hazel? Uh, let's go ahead and start with Stacy. Well,
2: Oscar definitely knew how to handle this situation in a way that Ospin did not for once.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: We had to see the boy get hurt some more, but... <laughs> certainly effective at getting the job done (laughs) the the turning of the hazel question mark maybe I I like this strategy because it's kind of those things that yeah the seasoned dude who's been around forever and ever trying to save the world from his you know ex evil ex (laughs) (laughs) who just wants to end the entire world uh wouldn't really think about oh hey maybe the way to convince this guy that we are actually doing the right thing and you know i'm not the big bad evil actually is to give him the information give him the information not salem give him that power so oscar being able to do that to recognize that and to do it uh I think was a very powerful move that Ospin didn't have up his sleeve, and probably going to be the tipping point for Salem, uh, for um for Salem for Hazel. At least you didn't call him Mercury.
0: Everyone <laughs> is Mercury. <laughs> That's what we're talking about next. But Legion. No. <laughs> was, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It's so funny that ozpin didn't think of this uh, given that he how long he's been a headmaster because this is a very a very valuable teaching moment a good teacher will give you the tools to discover the truth for yourself <laughs> i guess just uh it, it, whether or not hazel is on the independent study track is something uh we'll we'll have to see when the hiatus is done katie what did you think of this I mean, for this, we also have to keep in mind
1: that it's been Ozpin trying to talk to Hazel. And that Hazel has been blaming Ozpin for all of this from the get-go. So it's already an uphill battle there. Whereas if you think back to our first interaction with Hazel and Oscar, it was a friendly one. So while Hazel is still mmm at Oscar for... for the academy and also for being the second coming or the bazillionth coming of Oz as it would be there's not as much sheer ridiculous animosity there because for the moment Oscar is still his own person so we already have Ozpin fighting an uphill battle here but I just really appreciate that Ozpin gave him everything from the other side like yeah she's cursed with immortality she's been alive longer than you know she's really tired and just wants everything to end and she this is how she wants to do it and she basically just got cool story Hansel in return (laughs) like Hansel in this situation did not have two fucks to rub together for what Oz had to say so it was pretty damn powerful that it was Oscar willing to make that leap of faith and willing to tell him hey you know the story, you've heard it from Oz, now here are the tools to go get the information for yourself. I'm not giving it to her, and I'm not giving it up because you beat it out of me. I'm giving it to you because I believe that you will do the right thing. So it's, it's a very interesting move, but a very good one. And it's something that would only work with someone like Hazel, where they can still see that bit of humanity in him, even though, hey, we're going to cause the apocalypse. It's fine. It's not a great motivation. Wouldn't work with Tyrion. Wouldn't work with Watts. And as we saw, didn't work on Mercury. But has the potential to work on Hazel. And I appreciate that. Also, Hazel didn't know that she was going to end the fucking world. So, you know. (laughs) Yeah, that. Crazy Uncle Tyrion seems to be the only one super on board for the literal apocalypse.
0: Yeah, I I very much appreciated uh Hazel's men- I I always appreciate Hazel's mental gymnastics to justify the things um that he does. But I really like Ozpin calling him out on like, hey, you did this for yourself, like if you want to blame me for what happened to your sister, fine, but literally everything you've done, what you did to Oscar, what you're doing to the people of Atlas, like don't say that that was you doing the right thing. You did it for selfish reasons. Um, and I, you know, much like, uh, Ren being able to call out the Aesops, I appreciate the Hazel call out here. And, uh, yeah, I also do appreciate that, um, Oscar knows you know Oscar's taking a gamble here. Like this is a legit gamble hoping that the the truth will hoping that giving this guy the tools to discover the truth for himself will be enough to turn it around. Like I I appreciate it's weird to say. I appreciate that optimism. Um, Because some people, some people don't care about that. And it seems like Hazel isn't, isn't that far gone. Um, And yeah, we get a couple really interesting tidbits from this back and forth. One, as Katie mentioned, Hazel didn't know that that Taylor was planning on destroying the world. Uh, Maybe he just like, I don't know, tuned out during that particular meeting like once he heard that there are going to be no more huntsman academies he's like yes i'm in and then started thinking about what he was going to make for dinner um, <laughs> i know i know i've zo- like zoned out on a couple work meetings before but like and missed pertinent information maybe that's just something that he missed <laughs> that he missed the memo on um but something else too that um is really kind of frightening is that he, when Salem initially came for him, it's not like he immediately jumped on board. He uh, like tried to murder her apparently again and again and again. Like, And she's like a Dragon Ball Z villain where you had to destroy like every atom of her or something because apparently she just kept putting herself back together, which is terrifying. She's like (laughs) Cell. That's not great. I mean, that
1: is how way back when she convinced all of the various rulers of the pre-apocalypse world to go with her against the gods. Like, I'm immortal. It's fine. She's had a lot of fatal wounds that weren't actually ever fatal. So that doesn't surprise me, but yeah, I don't think Hazel slept through that meeting. I think <laughs> she told him what he wanted to hear, and then never, in all of the big roundtable meetings, brought up the actual end goal <laughs> because just, everyone just knows what out. our yeah exactly like everyone knows what our goal is here, and so I don't feel the need to go over it again. And therefore, everyone's like, ah, yes, the goal of ending the world, the goal of bringing about a new world order, (laughs) the goal of getting me those maiden powers I wanted. Like, you know, everyone thinks the goal is different, and she has them on those different levels on purpose. So, yeah, I don't think Hazel would have ever signed on if the stakes were, yeah, we're literally going to end the entire world and everyone on it. Like... I don't think we're quite at sunk cost fallacy apocalypse
0: levels yet, but we'll see. We'll see. I just want to point out that I love the idea, like since we've talked about like meetings and round tables and everything like that. I love the idea of having to schedule a conference room in Hazel in, in Salem's fortress slash mm-hmm. in Monstra. How do you go about doing that? Is that an app you can pull up on your scroll? Like, when I was working at NBC Universal, like there was a system in place for how to schedule a conference room. And when I worked at Sony, I never knew how to schedule a conference room because I never had to do it. But there was I knew there was a system in place for it. How do you schedule a conference room in Monstra?
2: I would like to imagine they have a whiteboard <laughs> with a calendar. And a little sign-up sheet.
1: And you just have to check it. They've just smoothed out one of those really big bones so you can ride on it. <laughs>
2: it's fine. <laughs> Monster <laughs> won't notice.
1: That's the appointment rib. That's where we put all the appointments in dry erase marker.
0: Yeah, that's totally how it works. <laughs> Tyrion just has a a weekly as your room scheduled out weekly for maniacal cackling for like an entire hour. <laughs>
2: Yeah, they learned the hard way not to try to reschedule those hours.
0: <laughs> They're like, you know what? There are lots of rooms. We'll 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 find another conference room. It's fine. <laughs> you can have this one. It's... <laughs> um, but yeah. So I guess the question I want to ask before we move on to to everybody else in the episode is what is Hazel going to do with this information? Is he going to turn on Salem or is he going to double down? Uh, Katie, what do you think? See, we haven't talked about
1: everything that goes into my theory. Cause um, I think he might go for it, but I think Emerald's going to beat him there Ooh. and use it for herself. Because we saw her listening at the door So we know that she has that information because she passed it on to Mercury as well. And that's when we got the, she's not going to end the world. And then crazy Uncle Tyrion showing up going, of course she's going to end the world. Where have you been? (laughs) Yeah. Confirmation of the apocalypse. So I think Hazel might think about this information. I think he might decide after a bit to act on it. But... I think that by the time he
2: makes his move, Emerald will have beaten him there. Stacy, what are your thoughts? I, d- I also think he's going to go for it, but he has got to be very fast because Emerald <laughs> is definitely going for it. And if he does not completely miss the window, he's just going to become part of her window. Uh, so it could it could play out one of two ways. Either Emerald gets there first, asks her question, depletes the lamp, and then when Hazel comes, now he thinks that Oscar was lying to him. Oh shit! So Emerald could really just throw things out of balance here. Uh, but I, I also feel like there's a good chance that he's just going to roll up right when she's about to ask the question, and he won't be able to do very much about it. But he'll get to experience
0: Emerald's question. I mean. Emerald getting the lamp, I think, is a really good guess. Um, if the the idea that she's based on Aladdin is true, it would be really weird to have an Aladdin analog who at who never got to who never got to hold the lamp. <laughs> she's just um, not interested in it. Okay. <laughs> um, so that that's interesting. So okay, we've talked about it. Uh, let's let's touch on Emerald, Mercury, and Tyrion. As, as Katie <laughs> pointed out, uh, Tyrion makes the very, very important clarification that, uh, yeah, no, world domination is absolutely what we're about, kids. <laughs> um, shout out to Josh Greeley again, just every time he gets to perform a Tyrion monologue. It is so, so nice. And this is the second time Tyrion has straight up had a conversation with these two characters in particular of like, oh, hey, what you think you're doing, it's it's not quite what you think it is. And uh, you need to get on board. And that's basically what this conversation was. And so he and Mercury continue like they they head on over to their field trip. They're apparently going to vacuo for the next stage of Salem's plan um but mercury and emerald and and i mean mercury when i say mercury this time are we sure Um, i think so i think so who knows it (laughs) might have (laughs) been we don't know everyone's mercury but um but they have a heart to heart um before Tyrion comes in and before they can really unpack the thing that he has just openly admitted to them. um, You know, he takes Mercury away to go off on their field trip, but they meet, they they have a a moment of eye contact and Mercury gives her a nod um, before they fly away. So what do we think is in store for Mercury black as he goes on this field trip? Let's go ahead and start with Stacy. What do you think? And in all of Mercury's infinite wisdom of his
2: decision to join up with Salem, somehow he did not consider getting stuck going on a field trip to Vacuo with Uncle Tyrion. <laughs> <laughs> so I like he has the crazy some... Uncle Tyrion is sticking. <laughs> he has some regrets. Uh, but no, uh, this moment was really interesting because... Mercury's attitude previously has been pretty flippant, pretty like dismissive of Emerald and uh, like trying to distance himself and be like, yeah, no, I'm I'm where the power is. I'm with Salem. Uh, You know, I'm better than than I was with Cinder. And so to see almost this moment of understanding between them. Um, you know, now I'm I'm crawling my way down into the conspiracy corner. I'm gonna bundle <laughs> myself up under all of the <laughs> the red strings and just like, wait, are they all still working as a team? Is this a big play? What's happening now? <laughs> I, I mean, I think we've established we're not quite done with Cinder yet, and with emerald sneaking around the way she was i don't know should we give cinder some more credit now maybe do we give mercury credit for being more loyal than he at all surface appears to be
1: i'm gonna go with nobody deserves any credit here
2: yeah (laughs) no i'm not so sure about that one
1: emerald deserves credit for taking some initiative getting the new information And then attempting to share it and get things figured out. Like, Emerald, I think, I don't want to say she had one of the best character moments this episode, but I think given the situation she was in, she was one of the people that did the best with what she had. And again, I think that she's going to be the one to get the question. I think that instead of going to Cinder or waiting on this, I think she's going to act on it herself and see what happens and who knows the, the question might just be does cinder actually care about me because that
0: seems to be in contention yeah because mm-hmm. we basically had um we basically had Tyrion uh confirm the question that hazel would probably ask of what whether or not cinder's plans are to destroy the world Salem. oh my god <laughs> I got oh the God. Mercury bit right and so I dropped the ball with cinder. We gotta get someone's name wrong, okay? It's at a obligatory point.
2: at this point.
0: Uh, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, the, oh man, because yeah, so where's my train of thought? Uh, so at yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, uh, he basically confirmed the information that Hazel would want to obtain. Um, whether or not Hazel will believe it without Jin saying so is up for debate. But, you know, that that basically clarifies that particular point with Emerald. I think, call me crazy, uh, crazy. Stacy, I think I think I want to step downstairs real quick and, hop, and, and tag out in the conspiracy corner. I think now is the time for Emerald and Neo. I, I've got one foot in the conspiracy yeah. corner and one foot still in the love loft, and don't ask me how that's possible, given that they are one story apart. Um, no, Our house, we can work however we want. <laughs> uh, this is the point where Emerald steals the lamp, and she and Neo run off together. (laughs) Now that the crazy scorpion man has left the vicinity, now is the time to make your escape. I mean, that's actually a really good point.
1: Salem is distracted, you know, with her grim vidic flux. Um,
0: With her grim orchestra. (laughs) Wow.
1: (laughs) That joke, I reach for that one and I don't care. If Megan's allowed to have one leg and eat more of the house, I'm allowed to make terrible puns. Uh, yeah, so Salem's distracted, uh, her partner in crime, and crazy uncle, I almost call him crazy uncle
2: Mercury. <laughs> yes. That's Mercury's next evolution, actually. He can't evolve his semblance, you see, so he's just gotta evolve into the crazy uncle himself. He's, sure, he's
0: just gonna it. transform into a car on their way there, and that's how the ship is gonna crash and kill Tyrion.
1: I don't think a simple ship crash will kill Tyrion. I don't think TurboTeen will kill Tyrion either.
2: But who Tyrion can survive worse? If TurboTeen can't kill him, who, who can? can? We were
1: counting on you, TurboTeen. Regardless, everyone is either distracted with their own shit, distracted with someone else's shit, or traveling. So it would be a really good time for Emerald to grab Neo and just blow this popsicle stand with or without the relic. That's the fun part. I feel like if you do it without the relic, no one's really going to notice, but if you do it with the relic, that's the wrath of God.
0: (laughs) What was, how did that line go? Uh, You know, uh, gotta eat to live, gotta steal to eat, tell you all about it when I got the time and just like... That that opening number from Aladdin is just playing in my head now. I, I want them to grab the lamp, make their getaway, and have it be a musical number along the
2: way. Wow! Oh, how it. dare you make me want this? Yeah. <laughs> because now I want it real bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um,
0: okay. So. Yeah, there are a couple different ways this could pan out. It's also entirely possible that she gets the lamp and at the same time that Hazel arrives, they ask a question together. I mean, that's also entirely possible. There, there are so many ways this could go down and I feel like only some of those are good. <laughs> I just, after that tweet saying that, like, this is the tame half of the season i almost feel like you know worst case scenario for every ongoing plotline is what we're gonna get
1: <laughs> oh, no. i That's feel like that is a legitimate concern and a solid prediction
0: <laughs> okay do we have any other thoughts on Emerald, Mercury, and Tyrion, and also Mercury, and Mercury, and Mercury? <laughs> Do we have any final thoughts on these guys? Very excited
2: for Mercury's, you No, know, Mercury, Mercury.
1: <laughs> yeah, I really think the team up of Mercury and Mercury is going to be really interesting, and it'll be great to see
0: what Mercury does with it. <laughs> don't forget the team up of cinder and cinder and cinder as well that's true (laughs) everything's fine we're all on fire (laughs) this this
1: podcast is fine Fine. all right i have a little plastic dumpster fire labeled 2020 all right i came here prepared it's a thing Remind me when the episode goes up and I'll put a picture in the Discord.
0: (laughs) It's cute as hell. Fair point. Fair point. Um, Okay. So, let's move on uh, to Team Ruby. And there's actually quite a bit to unpack here with Team Ruby, who are still hunkering down at the Shane Manor. Nora is still recovering and gives this really heartbreaking line of, now what am I good for? Which oh my heart and since we're here in the love loft a lot of people pointed out that this is a good shippy moment between weiss and nora which is not a ship i normally think about but hey here it is (laughs) (laughs) it's in front of us we will talk about it (laughs) okay quick rapid fire thoughts on the weiss nora ship go let's start with katie What would you call this? I know it has a name. There's an Excel sheet. I just don't know it off the top of it's my like head. It's like
1: cold thunder or something nuts. Thunder snow? I don't know. Um, eh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll take it, but I'm not necessarily here for it. Yeah, I'm more of a Ren Nora shipper myself, but it's it's uh, again, it's fun. It's fun to talk about. Stacy, what do you think? All ships are good, and we. <laughs> Well, I
2: didn't say that. Well, okay, okay, with caveats, the ship is fine, <laughs> <laughs> and, and not, not, not the, not the way we've been using "fine" in this in this episode. That's the not what ship I mean. Is valid, I just don't ship it. There you go. I, look, I'm I'm still all wrapped up in the drama of the Ren and Nora stuff and what the intro means. Now that we've got like Ren's reveal, so leave me there in the love loft. I'll be. I'll be fine. <laughs>
1: Legit. <laughs> Me too. Now we know what that pedal means in the intro. And it's just like. <gasps> oh. <Yes. laughs> what is What no- is. Here. As long as we're in the love loft. And now that Ren can see people's emotions. um, The first time he sees Nora after this. What's it going to look like?
0: Ooh. what's that pedal
1: storm gonna be and is it gonna match his that just
0: gave me warm and
1: fuzzies I'm very happy
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I mean like we felt like this most of this volume like they were going to be drifting apart while they're off on their own individual journeys but maybe this is a case of where distance makes the heart grow fonder and when they reunite it's just it's gonna be
2: nice I don't know Stacy. Right, like they think that they have all of these fundamental differences that they're they're getting into right now, but then this kind of clears that up, and it's like, no, no, at heart, you're still you still feel the same.
0: Aww. It will be touching and beautiful. We deserve at least one nice thing, guys. give us, give Please. us something.
1: <laughs> I mean, our ship was made canon before everything went to hell
0: <laughs> reasonable, ah. <sighs> Okay, Um, but yeah, so that is... We could spend the rest of this episode in the Love Loft, but we've already been going for an hour and 15 minutes. So (laughs) (laughs) we still have a lot to unpack here. Uh, Team Ruby is having a time of it because they, you know, Nora needs a doctor. People are outside dying right now, and people down on Mantle are also dying. Like, it, it seems... To be pandemonium and chaos, uh, according to May Marigold. And what we get is another example of not so much differing ideology, but are, you know, these kids being presented with a choice of like, hey, you could either help these people who have been up in their ivory towers for however long, or you could go... You know, back down to uh, to mantle and help people who have who have needed help for much longer and who are who are in. You know, it's it's one of those things where I don't think there's a particular wrong answer, but it very much displays where people's priorities are. Um, Weiss has family here in Atlas, and she points that out to to May. And we get an, you know, in an episode filled with excellent monologues, we get an excellent monologue from May Marigold where not only do we get the the rationale behind why it's so important for her to protect the people of Mantle, you know, that being that the people of Atlas had turned their backs on them for so long, But we also get on screen confirmation that May Marigold is a trans woman and how as a result, like this, this difference in ideology is why May Marigold no longer has a great relationship with the people of Atlas. She chose to help mantle instead of continuing to hang out in the ivory tower at Atlas and how as a result of that. She's like, they made it clear that I wasn't their son, and I made it clear to them that I wasn't their daughter. And this is an extremely powerful monologue from Caden, who gave an absolutely stellar performance. Um, What did we think of this particular monologue and what what it means for Ruby as a whole, as far as representation, and what it means for this character moving forward? Uh, what do you think, Stacy? I think that
2: it's always a cause to celebrate as Ruby grows more and more diverse and we see more inclusivity. Uh, the show has never shied away from it, but watching it expand is always a reason to celebrate, I think, and to see this extremely powerful moment and this really powerful self-acceptance uh, is something that's really important, I feel like, to see across our media and this was a good first character to have do that and a good statement for uh, this representation to take so to see her be both accepting of herself and of where it brought her in life and to give that fierce loyalty to you know the people that that took her in that accepted her Uh, there are so many stories and so many individual stories that deserve to be told but i think this was a powerful first choice to introduce the the characters i mean the characters of team ruby 2 as well
1: i just keep remembering and this was years and years ago our first after buzz interview during season 2 with monty Where we were able to speak with him, and one of the questions that we asked, that I believe was a fan-provided question, was asking him if there was going to be any LGBTQIA representation on the show. And his answer, to the best of my recollection, it's been a very long time since I've gone back and rewatched that video, is that, yes, it's there, yes, those characters are there, yes, they've always been there. It just may not be obvious to the audience yet and so watching even these later seasons watching these things develop seeing jean's sister in a happy relationship seeing blake and yang seeing ilia and now having may and just looking at this and going yeah yeah the team has come through in spades and the fact that we've had may for a season and a half and we're already like yes we love her yes she's perfect yes we stand a queen and then getting this on-screen confirmation just there are ways to do lgbtq narratives and especially trans narratives that are well executed and that are good and there are ways to do them that are not and while i am not qualified to speak on the specifics I think that this was extremely well executed on the part of Rooster Teeth. I think this was very well done. And uh, Caden is a fucking queen. We stan her. We adore her. She deserves the best.
0: We stan a queen indeed. We do! (laughs) The, um, yeah, I I think, I, I remember that interview as well, and it was one of the those things where it was so nice to hear how how LGBTQ representation was always a part of the plan, and and I distinctly remember Monty saying that um, you know it might not be readily apparent, but. These are kids who are still in the process of figuring out who they are, and so that is definitely going to be a part of some of their journeys. Um, so it was really cool getting to see on screen trans representation there. It same, uh, I would like to reiterate Katie's point: not at all qualified to talk about <laughs> all of this, um, but. But at least from an outside perspective, from the perspective of an ally, I feel like this was really good representation. And I think even more so was seeing what it meant to Caden in particular, um, because Caden has talked a lot. um, I I remember specifically at RTX this year, Caden has talked a lot this year about how voice acting opportunities for her pretty much dried up. Um, when she came out as trans and how her career has struggled as a as a very real result of coming out and again not qualified to talk about this but like it it was so moving to see what getting to voice this particular scene meant to her what may as a character means to her i I think for Ruby this is great, but I kind of say this um also the same time we get any hints of LGBTQ representation when it comes to Ruby, it's a good start. We need more <laughs> of it, not only in Ruby, but in just all of media as a whole. And media in the last couple of years, particularly animation, has gotten so much better at it. Um and, and even just In such a quick turnaround, too, because I remember last volume when we were talking about um, our kind of disappointment when Clover was killed and how that opportunity for MLM representation, those hopes were kind of dashed. And one of the things I brought up was how even though May Marigold was trans, uh, you wouldn't know. Unless you were on social media and followed particular people to get that bit of character insight. And here, getting on-screen confirmation of it is so much better than having to go online and find out for yourself if you're if you're a fan and you wanted to know more. It's on screen, it's not there for debate. So it's it's excellent. I, I think we need more. Of that on-screen confirmation for LGBTQ characters all across the media spectrum. Not just in animation, just media as a whole. We need more. Um, but this was, in my opinion, fantastic and I am so happy for Caden, and I'm so, 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 so happy that Rooster Teeth has allowed a moment like this to happen uh, because there are so many like studios who are still afraid to take that leap and it's like come on guys get with the program it is goddamn 2020 why are we even having these discussions still um but you know we say over and over again across a variety of shows that we do that representation is important and it's moments like this that i think remind us why um so yeah, I, yeah I'm going to go ahead and get down from my soapbox now. Just this was a very powerful moment, and I hope, I hope we get more.
1: I'm just going to, I don't want to say correct, Oh go for but it. I want to do the wording on one thing. I don't think Rooster Teeth allowed this moment. I think they enabled it. I think they oh, encouraged God. it, and I think that there is a big, big difference there. And I thoroughly appreciate them for doing that.
0: That's true because there, yep. You know, there are. Ab- uh, for, please forgive me for my lack of wording. We didn't write out. We don't write no, out no, these no, things. I in just,
1: I just wanted to clarify a little. I know what you meant. Yeah, but just because I know what you meant doesn't mean the entire world does. So a little more clear to the entire world. I got you.
0: Yeah. No <laughs> point being there are companies, um, and production companies in particular, and broadcast companies and distribution companies, et cetera, et cetera. Who don't enable and and there is a huge there is in fact a huge difference between a company that genuinely supports the LGBTQ community and there's a, yeah there's a huge difference between companies that do and don't and uh, again. We need more representation because not only does it speak to people on a personal level, but representation does have the power to change systems, like just because it helps change the public perception of things. And it's, it's important for so many different reasons. So uh, thank you again to Rooster Teeth uh, for, for, yeah, just thank you. <laughs> Yeet. <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah do we have any final thoughts on this particular monologue uh before because there there are still a couple different things to unpack here i think we pretty well covered it <laughs> fair enough stacy you here, here. here yeah no i yeah. mean <laughs> the only other thing is like you know what what is team ruby going to choose mantle or atlas and i just my gut is that they're going to go, I mean, they they always want to go where there are people who need them, but I feel like knowing Team Ruby, you know, they're probably going to go to where, where they can do the most good, and that's probably where Salem is at, if I were to venture a guess, um, but that's just a guess in terms of where
1: they're going um penny crash landed in front of the mansion (laughs) knowing this team i don't think they're leaving her (laughs) so i think that decision was kind of made for them right there and i know that's kind of skipping to the end but i feel like that's the factor right now
0: no we got (laughs) not we can skip to the end. So yeah, Petty <laughs> crash, <laughs> and she's in a crater in in Weiss's front yard. Uh, what does that mean moving forward, uh, Stacy? What are your thoughts? Who?
2: <laughs> I mean, we can hope that, <laughs> that things will be okay. But I, uh, I think we're going to see. Penny struggling and it seems like at the moment when she saw Ruby she was the one in control but at this point we don't know the extent of exactly what Watts managed to do to her and what control he can exert over her and what danger that poses uh, to Team Ruby and what challenge they're up against in (laughs) breaking her free of this uh, overriding tech so I'd like to be happy that Penny is reunited with Ruby and you know power of love right? Breaks through everything <laughs>
0: power of love it fixes yes. everything probably
1: friendship power and love. love the power of love can break through administrative paralysis
0: good to
2: yeah. know yeah, that's, yeah, list. that's that's the overriding like admin code right? It's It's a straight up
1: SAO abridged reference there. Um. (laughs) Honestly, my god, she's in such a bad state. And it took me a couple watches to get there, but just like, is she covered in green fluid? Is she she robot bleeding? This seems bad. Didn't look great. Well, the question is, like, where was she between... The last time we saw her and here, did she make it to the vault? Did something happen there? We don't know. We are missing a chunk of time between I love you, dad, and crash landing. And we don't know what happened there yet, but we know it's not good. I would not be surprised if this were a, sure, let her think she's in control now, get her fixed up a little, and then we'll just lead everyone to the vault and destroy everyone there it'll be great yay like i wouldn't be
0: surprised if this is part of a ruse on watts's part Ugh, that is that is an excellent point i was thinking that like you know as she's fighting for control you know she's flying and crashing in, in different parts of the city but no that oh that that makes a lot more sense that makes a lot more sense and i hate it oh no <laughs> like i said i love this trope i'm really excited to see how it plays out but like at the same time i'm sitting here going like oh no (laughs) i appreciate that my jam is
1: visual emotions and your jam is mind control (laughs) wholesome good shit no actually i really do like it too like, I love this trope. I hate this particular instance of it because it makes me feel sad things. But man, I love this trope.
2: <laughs> There's only pain here. It's fine. There
0: is no penny, only Zool. Oh, this can only end in tears. Okay. Uh would yeah, that make, I is. Can oh, make her the key then? <laughs> The key bear. what is what is what are the terms? Key master. The key master,
1: that's right. Key bearer is kingdom hearts. I'm somewhere key, else.
0: Key master and gatekeeper, I think.
1: Cool, 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 cool. I Think that makes her the key master. I don't
0: know, yeah. oh, oh, we've mixed so many references. Why okay. I never said I was a good person. Okay. <laughs> um Yeah, I am. like I said, I thought she was just sort of struggling um and yeah I, i'm sure that watts is going to like his programming is going to override whatever free will she has left until power of love stuff but now that katie said that thing about it being a ruse i'm like no that that's probably mm. it um so but before we wrap up with this particular episode oh do we have any final kind. thoughts yes do yes. we have any final thoughts on Penny before we talk about the the final bit that we need for this episode? Uh, any any final thoughts on Penny?
1: One fear. <laughs> Many fears, and we fear the worst. <laughs> Fifteen fears. It's the fourteen fears, and then Ruby.
0: All of Ruby is the fifteenth fear. <laughs> it's fine. Nobody gets that reference unless you listen to the Magnus Archives. So go listen to the Magnus Archives. (laughs) Um,
1: If you listen to the Magnus Archives, talk to Megan because she really wants to talk to other people about it.
0: Please (laughs) hit me up. Um, But yeah. Okay. So there's one other point to hit in this particular episode. While uh, Before Penny makes her crash landing, um, but while Team Ruby is trying to figure out what to do whitley overhears their conversation and in particular overhears the bit where Nora needs a doctor and taking the initiative all on his own he calls up klein who happens to be a doctor and i'm gonna go ahead and just ask the question how, like if he's an actual medical doctor how did he end up as a butler but i i guess when you have Schnee corporation money uh you get the very best (laughs) help that you possibly can um but i i guess it does make sense if you're going to have somebody who's basically raising your children for you i guess it does make sense to make sure that they have like a medical background in case of an emergency but so he calls klein and klein comes to the door and gets reunited uh with weiss and whitley and so We've been kind of debating b- back and forth about whether or not Whitley, you know, now free of Jacques' influence, what kind of person he's going to be when no longer having to to sort of answer to his this this not great father figure, and we kind of thought that he was going to stumble. Uh, at least one or two more times before kind of coming around. But almost immediately, the day after Jacques gets carted away to jail, he does like an an actual genuine act of altruism without having been prompted to. Uh, What did we think of this turn for Whitley? Let's go ahead and start with Katie. I'm honestly happy to
1: see this because Ruby has had some fairly good narratives so far about how where you live and the people you're around can really shape who you are as a person. And we've really had that narrative with the Schnee family with winter getting in the military to escape her dad and Weiss showing up at beacon as kind of a shitty person and being better because she is out from under her family's thumb because she has these friends because she's learning these new things. Like, we, we very much had a narrative, especially with this family, of an abusive circumstance can create terrible people. And so we've removed the center of that. And it's nice to see that narrative working for Whitley as well. And it's nice to see that, yeah, maybe mom has had some good influence on him. And maybe, you know, he can be a good person when he's not trying to appease his monster of a father. So I liked this development. I loved getting to see Klein again but I also really appreciated in the follow up for it with Weiss thanking him and Whitley saying I didn't do it for you and I know that's why it means so much and that he flinched so hard when she went in for the hug like he was expecting to get walloped so yikes but also I love that we're taking this turn with him I can really appreciate that sort of hope for humanity bent, especially when things seem so hopeless in the larger
2: picture. Stacy, how about you? Yeah, that scene between him and Weiss really kind of hammered home the kind of life Whitley had probably been living before this, uh, based on a lot of fear, which makes me think that Klein probably had a lot to do with keeping Whitley fairly, well, ready to... (laughs) be altruistic and to reach out. And Klein probably means quite a lot to him if he called for him, knew to call for him. Uh, I don't know. Whitley has joined Team Destroy the Patriarchy. The Schnee <laughs> Patriarchy <laughs> this, Amen. This was also very satisfying. And also a very hopeful message in terms of you know a kid left in this in this kind of bad situation with a horrible influence of a father, doesn't have to follow in those footsteps and isn't shouldn't be judged necessarily because of, you know, his parent. And he's allowed to be more than that. And let's go, Whitley. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is not the turn I expected several volumes ago. Here we are. Look, again, fully on board team Whitley now. I don't think he's going to be perfect in the future, but we're making good choices now.
0: Yeah. When he was initially introduced, I totally had him pegged. I was just like, Oh, he's like, he's like a Damien. He's like an evil, evil child. And we are going to have to contend with this evil, evil boy. Right. <laughs> um, um, and I like that, that perspective on him that i've had you know ever since his introduction i'm glad that that's changed um because he's not a demon he's not the spawn of satan he's a he's a scared kid who has a not great home life and even though um their family is really wealthy and he'll never want for anything in that regard like yeah the emotional support and you know love from his parental figures has not been there. Um, You know, his mother is neglectful in a different way. And his father is just, you know, we've seen what Jacques is capable of um, in his dealings with his daughters. And it's fair to say, you know, that, you know, again, we, we, we've gotten a lot from the, the Schnee family in the last two volumes and how Jacques parenting has affected all of his children. And it, I really like that over the last two volumes in particular, uh, the story has taken some time to be like, hey, maybe don't be too hard on this kid who had both of his older siblings leave and leave him alone with these two parental figures in particular. You know, again, thank God for Klein. (laughs) Thank God for Klein. Um, But yeah, I really enjoyed seeing this turn. I Again, I... Thought that it was going to take a lot longer than it did. Um, I thought he was going to stumble along the way uh, before we really got him on board with Team Ruby. And I'm really glad that that's happened a lot sooner rather than later. Or, or really, he's not even really so much on board with Team Ruby. He just did something that needed doing because it was the right thing to do. Which is, you know, why Weiss is so proud of him. Um, but yeah, so I'm glad to see this, and and I concur. I don't think he's going to be perfect, um, but I like seeing this turn, and I like, I like the hopeful optimism of this message of like it's it's not too late um, for for people to change, and that you know you surround certain people, you put certain people in a different environment, and it gives them the opportunity to thrive, and. I very much like that. Um, okay. Yeah. So that I think does it for this particular episode. And yeah, we're just going to have to wait until the hiatus is over. So this is all of Ruby that we have <laughs> from now until I believe February. Uh, do we have any final thoughts on this episode or on the mid season as it stands for, for now uh let's go ahead and start with katie
1: boy if this was the tame half of the season i think we're gonna Mm. have to up that number of fears (laughs) 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 woof um as far as standing predictions go i guess i am gonna stick with i think emerald is going to beat hazel to the lamp i don't know what she's gonna ask but i do think that that is going to be her next stop um God knows how well Team Juniper is going to be on the rescue Oscar mission and whether or not he will choose to go with them if they do find him. There's, there's so many moving parts here. And the fun part of this hiatus is going to be hanging out in the discords and hanging out on Tumblr and hanging out on these places where people congregate. And I know there's a Reddit, but I don't Reddit. So I still live on Tumblr. It's been 15 years. You can't get rid of me. <laughs> um, but the fun is going to be just hanging out in these discussion spaces and watching people spin theories and build on them and have time to go over these first seven episodes with a fine tooth comb and go, Hey, what about this moment? Hey, do we remember this part? Well, that feeds into this here and we can do this. Like I love these moments the, the, when we have this space to do some theory crafting And it's not long enough for people to go completely batshit insane, like, you know, the hiatus between Sherlock seasons was. But it's (laughs) definitely long enough for people to get past the surface and dig a little bit. And honestly, I think that's going to make going into the second half of the season so much better. Because I'm pretty sure, unless they throw something just completely insane at us, I would not be surprised if there is at least one fan out there who hasn't called the remaining story beats perfectly.
2: Stacy, how about you? We have been given so many threads to work with, so many parts and pieces. And yes, there are so many directions we can go in. We can pick a string and follow it in a lot of different ways right now to a lot of different conclusions. Uh, And there are a lot of different ways to reach even the larger story beats that maybe are more universally agreed on by people in the fandom but yeah like katie said half the fun now is going to be to be going back and finding all the pieces and drawing connections and now re-watching some of the early ep- episodes and being like oh wait 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 maybe that fits in with what they revealed over here uh, <laughs> so this this first part was satisfying and I am scared. <laughs> we gotta up that number of fears. So we just, just keep adding, adding them onto the pile. Fifteen sub one, fifteen sub two, fifteen sub three. It <laughs> continues to be fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, look over here. This fine pile of beers. It's fine. This is
1: fine. So uh, do we have, like, a fine fireplace in the mansion? Because I feel like we should. We do now. Yeah, we sure do. Is it near the screaming staircase, or is having the fire by the stairs just dumb?
2: No, No, it's fine. fine. fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and look, guys. A on fire. It's fine. If it's not fine, then guess what like in a week the architecture of this place will change because i'm pretty sure this house is all kinds of haunted like i i don't know why we we chose here in particular to to have our podcast but this house is all kinds of haunted and i think we just need to i've just kind of been rolling with it but i think we just need to accept it because I don't think there's any changing this place. Or more specifically, I don't think we can ever stop it from changing. (laughs) Keeps it fresh, all right? (laughs) Exciting. We like the
2: excitement.
1: It does what it wants, and it deigns to let us record here. (laughs) It seems to like us. We sacrifice enough things in the fine fireplace that it seems to be stated, and it lives on our theories and our ships. This is a house of fandom.
0: (laughs) makes it okay, yeah. This place isn't hella haunted. This place is straight up an eldritch abomination, and I'm okay with that. <laughs>
1: nah, no, I wouldn't go full on eldritch, I'd just say it's sentient.
0: God knows if it's sapient,
1: but it's definitely sentient.
0: Well, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> make it worse, or better? <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you, Stacy. Not sure if <laughs> worse or better. Um Um better. <laughs>
1: When the house gets along with you, it helps you move furniture. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: can't fair. That. You know what? It lets us sit here and drink booze uh, and talk about ships and everything like that. It lets it lets us have a place where we can make a pillow fort. So I think for right now we can call it good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank yes. you, house. Thank you,
1: house. Uh, and If Salem can have a sentient base of operations, why can't we? <laughs> Maybe not the best argument to make for this, but nonetheless, we're here. So,
0: thank you, House. Thank you, Ruby, and thank you all so so much for listening. Stacy, where can people go if they want to find you? Uh, if you want to find me, you,
2: uh, you can go to Twitter or Instagram at Stacey Shuttles. Um, mostly, my life is you know sitting in the conspiracy corner, thinking about Ruby theories or playing Hades. So scream <laughs> about both of those things with me, Katie.
1: I'm Katie. You can follow me all over the social medias, as well as on YouTube and Twitch at KIAXET, that is K-I-A-X-E-T. If you like reactions to Ruby, other Rooster Teeth videos, etc., they live on that YouTube channel. I am also co-host on another podcast called On The Point. It is an Overwatch and Overwatch League podcast. In case you couldn't tell, I really do like Overwatch. Um, it's currently on hiatus because the Overwatch League season is on hiatus. We might come back and do a special episode or two. We'll see. And if you follow me on Twitter, you will also see me screaming a lot about Hades because I got it like two days ago. And I've been going a little nuts. It's a
0: good time. be sure to follow our co-host, Mark Donica, at Mark B. Donica on Twitter. Um, yeah, check out all his stuff. He does a lot of cool podcasty things. Uh, so, yeah, be sure to follow him. Send him all of your love. And I'm Megan Salinas. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams where Katie and I talk about horror things on occasion. And uh, I have a podcast that is a lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost where my co-host Will Link loves Lost and I don't. And we talk about it. (laughs) Be sure to follow the whole team at The Rooster Team. Join our Discord. Support us on TeePublic. Support our sponsor, Fred. All that good stuff. Go to iTunes, rate, subscribe, leave a comment during the break. We really appreciate it uh, again. And uh, before we go, we have one more announcement. As always, we end with the important things.
1: Wear a mask. Anytime you go outside, doesn't matter if you're just getting the mail, walking your dobs, walking your dog, <laughs> walk your dobs too. You
0: can have multiple dogs. <laughs>
1: doesn't matter what you're doing outside what matters is that you cannot control anyone else's decisions or movements but you can control your own you do not know when you will run into another person so wear a mask it protects you a little bit it protects other people a lot and that's the point support your essential workers be kind to your essential workers they don't get the option to stay home so be kind to them, socially distance, wear your mask around them, etc. Be cool. Be kind to your post people because the post office is bug nuts still. Support the post office, buy stamps. They're still the victim of shenanigans and they're still overwhelmed from holiday things. So, you know, be kind, offer as much support as you can. Thank you for voting. Thank you for voting. Thank you for voting. Thank you for voting. If you're in Georgia, we're going to need you to do it again in the runoffs in like a week and a half. But yeah, thank you for voting. Black lives matter. Black LGBTQIA lives matter. Black trans lives matter. Black lives matter. That hasn't changed. That's not going to change. Black lives matter. Again, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this. Remember to wear a mask. And thank you guys for listening. Remember we love you.
0: Thank you all again so, so much for listening. This has been Ruby Redux, and now it's time to say goodbye.